You've played the missions. But do you really know the lore? We're here to be your guides. Your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 179, recorded October 25th, 2023. The topic for this episode is the Rites of Passage lore book, part two. In case you couldn't tell, I'm your host this time, and I am Elemist. Hey, I'm Orchid. Hey, Orchid. Hello. So, we got some podcast info. We encourage feedback. That can be sent to us on Twitter at Guardians underscore lore, at Hey It's Orchid, or at I underscore am underscore Elemist. You can find us on Blue Sky at Guardians of Lore.bsky.social. You can find us on Instagram and threads at Guardians of Lore. You can email us at Guardians underscore lore at Outlook.com. You can leave us a five star review wherever you find the podcast. And you know what? Why don't you also jump into our Discord? The invite is in the episode description, but if you want to type it out, it's discord.gg slash lorehub. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, finger guns. Thank you so much, finger guns. <laughs> you sound so dejected saying that. Yeah. You're just like, ugh, finger guns, why? Yeah. Why do I have to finger guns right now? It's so late in the evening. <laughs> but we also like to thank our other subscribers. Uh, Valaragna, Linkman22, Doom, Firebired, Finlay Potato, and Unnamed Guardian Less Than Three. We know who you are. We do. I didn't mean that to come out as threatening as it sounded. Uh, it did not sound threatening. Okay. It's just funny. Um, you can also find our info on thelorenetwork.com alongside many impressive lore content creators. We're still there. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think we're still there. Yeah, I think so too. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. So, uh, this week at Guardians of Lore, the Dwaggle, uh, it is Festival of the Class time. Uh, yeah. You know, I really like Festival of the Lost, sort of. I'm super torn. The problem that I have with it is that it used to be an event where you just go in, play the activity, and you're you're fine. That's because it was the Infinite Forest, and it was fun. Now it is just a cash grab. Yes. They have one good item in the $10 bundle that you have to buy. The shader is cool. And see, for me, it wasn't the shader. It was the ghost shell. The ghost shell was cool, too. It, it's a Ferrero Rocher. Like, mm -hmm. I loved it. Delicious. But $10 for a ghost shell. Yeah, that's a little steep. Yeah. 
But at the same time, like you're not paying that. Plus you're having to grind everything else if you want everything else. Yeah. And like if you have that track to unlock that like secondary one. Yeah, you bought it so you could unlock it, but you still have to play in order to unlock all of those. Yes. So it's like, okay, I unlocked the ability to get these things. I better fucking play now. It's 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 such a racket. And and that that's all events at this point. Yeah, but there are copy pasted. Oh, the worst part which is very funny. Also, um, the Festival of the Lost like screen that introduced the three new helmets or helmets of face masks, which were um, Clovis Bray, which is pretty great. It has little button eyes and the Rolk mask is very good. Um, Rolk is in uh, Eververse, I think. Right? I... Don't know. I think Rolk is in Eververse. Um, there's a Star Horse one. Star Horse is in Eververse. Uh, that was from last year. There is an Archie one. Archie is in Eververse. There's a Marasov one that you can earn. That was from last year. N- uh, no. Is it a new one? It's a new one. Oh. I had a Mara Sov one from like five years ago or something. That's weird. Like an old Mara. There's an original Mara because I have a Mara. I've like not played at all. Oh, there's a Nimbus one that's new. Yep. And there is a. Um, what's the enemy? Help me here. Tormentor. There's a Tormentor. Yeah, it's really ugly. I love the fact that the, the Tormentor one is just an iron upside down. <laughs> it really is. Like, there's no hiding it. That's what it is. No, it really is. It's, yeah. Um, You're right. And You're right. For, for Mara's hair, it's just strands of newspaper. Yeah. Um... Like I'm, I'm, you know, honestly, they used to be better. They're so janky now. So, I think the masks being janky is kind of the charm of it. I don't, because it's it almost feels like it's you know a mask that like a kid would make. It's like a mask an armless child made in the dark. No. Oof. The masks were like they used to be like complicated origami masks. They used to be like cardboard cutout masks with string that held it to your head. Yeah, which I kind of liked because they were just like printed out and folded. And I'm like, cool, these are not ugly. And now they're like they're they're armless child in the dark masks. But I just like the aesthetic for me is is not it. I would not be caught dead in like a Clovis button eye mask. Like, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Absolutely not. No. To describe it for our, our listeners, the Archie mask. So like the eyes and mouth should be glowing and 
what it is is there's tape around like the muzzle and glow sticks sticking out so like the the slits for the eyes would be like the top third of a glow stick it looks so janky it's hella terrible and they could have used leds like a child would not make that a child would be better at it than what they did like a cosplayer would be better (laughs) sorry (laughs) i'm wondering if people looked around the office and were like all right we need to come up with masks for these characters with this stuff and then they're like, all right, so this is exactly how I would make it. Let's put that in the game. Uh, probably. I don't know. I mean, they might have just like given, you know, the art supplies of a fifth grade classroom make these masks. <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad criticizing their art choices because they clearly are going for something different than they used to have. And like, I can't fault them for that because this is their vision. And if this is their vision, cool. It's It's just just not for me. Yeah. Like I will stick with my old masks. Like I like the will of a thousand masks because I like to be a worm God. So I must stick with that one. Oh my God. Yes. So I wear the worm god mask every single time. It's like, why don't you wear any other masks? I'm like, because this is the one I like. Worm god mask. And see, for me, I think my favorite is janky. But that adds to the charm of it. It's the Riven mask. The Riven mask is very funny. It's probably the best new mask. Uh, It was actually from last year. Yeah. It's the best new mask of like the, the new newer style. version. The new style, yeah. 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 I do like the Riven mask. Like to me it's just it's it's funny. And it's janky like the teeth are uh forks, like plastic forks. Mhm. There's different like bottle caps for the eyes. It's all a cardboard head. Like, it's just the jankiness of it is is the charm. And I, I realize that that kind of style is not for everyone. The one thing I think was really funny is that when they announced, this is what I was saying originally, when they announced these, they used the same picture as last year and they just like literally pasted them over <laughs> the announcement from last year. And you could still see the masks from last year, like in the background. They just like pasted it over last year's oh god like it's the same pdf or whatever it's the same picture it's like the same jpeg yeah it's the same jpeg or whatever the fuck they used and they're just like okay done (laughs) i'm like guys what are you doing (laughs) please stop all the complaining aside there are a few things that i did notice that they changed um a lot of the complaints that we had about last year and the year before got addressed. Like what? Lay them out. Remember how we had to wait like for the, the timer to run down whenever we killed 10 of the, the headless ones? 
Oh, I hated that. Yeah, they fixed that. They fixed that. Remember that it took forever to run from one side of the lost sector to the other when you had to get from place to place. Everyone has super fast runny runs like um, if you have arc like but everyone has it. Yeah. Picking up the candy makes you amplified. So then you start running. You run faster. Yeah. On any subclass. It doesn't matter what subclass you're running. Right. It's pretty great. So, like, they've they've addressed issues that we've had with, with Festival in previous years. There's still a few issues with the activity that I find, but, like, it's negligible. That it's exactly the same? Yeah. And it's the same law sectors? Yeah. That they never changed them? That all the spawn spots are exactly the same? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really feel like they just hide it when they're not doing Festival of the Lost and then they unhide it for Festival of the Lost and then they hide it again when Festival isn't on. <laughs> like, it's like show desktop. Hide desktop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what it feels like. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> like it's festival time so they like show that desktop in the tower and they just check the box like oh it's festival the last checkbox reload game (laughs) fucking a and then when festival is gone they just check the box again and it all goes away (laughs) fucking a that's what it feels like now and then they just like load all the stuff the thing that they have to load that takes forever is all the eververse shit and like the guns that's the thing that's different right it's all the eververse stuff that's different the new grenade launcher there's a new heavy grenade launcher <gasps> the new heavy grenade launcher oh my god this is the most important part elemis how did i forget <laughs> the new heavy grenade launcher so good by the way it has the shire lore on it that we were missing from the trials gun <laughs> why did they put it on this one and not trials gear. I don't Why would know. They do that? I, Why would they do that? I don't know. Why is Shaira lore on Halloween stuff and not trials gear? I'm so confused. I don't care. We have some. We finally have it. I'm so excited. We're going to do this one because we have Shaira lore again. Yay. Yep. It's it's definitely going to be a little lore that we cover. Yes. Sometime in the next month or two. Immediately. Because I <laughs> it's here. It's here. We have to do it. Because, you know, like, we stand that lore. We have to do it. It's a part of us now. Ab- absolutely. Like, it, we are. We, ha- we have to do it. it. it is, it's a compulsion. It is currently so. one of the best stories. The best ongoing story currently we couldn't we couldn't leave the lore with her talking to like the crazy osiris lady right i mean like what the fuck budgie like you leave us with like the glaive lady like that's it you can't leave us hanging like that what are you doing (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) and like raid seven died (laughs) why are you doing this to me what? Uh, right. So, yeah, 
So they finally gave us more lore. It's on the grenade launcher. When I was reading the lore for like all the activities, like I stumbled upon it and then I like texted Elimus immediately. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I found it. I found it. I found it. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Orchid completely freaked out. I lost my mind. It was very exciting. It was great. I was so excited. Oh, my gosh. That's the best part about uh, this activity. Do you know what? I take it back. This activity is amazing because it gave us new share. (laughs) (laughs) The guns are pink now. They're like magical girl pink. Yes. I'm I'm super into that. It's not like mecha guns anymore. Now it's magical girl guns. Yeah, that's been the thing that I've always wanted to be is a magical girl. Like I grew up watching Sailor Moon. (laughs) I've always wanted to be Sailor Moon. What makes it better is that there is a ghost shell. I know I have it. I I figured as much. (laughs) But so do I. Um, Oh, my God. Of course you do. But no, like it's it's festival. It's the same shit we've had the past couple of years. I mean, do as much as you want or as little as you want. Like, that's all you need to do. Yeah. I've been doing GMs. Like, I've not really been doing it. It was double Vanguard rewards last week, so I was just doing that. Oh, yes. Thank you, Doom. Uh, They also did implement a memento. Two mementos. Two? Yes. What's the second one? There's the all black one, and then there's the other one. What's the other one? The one that drops. They're the same. You have to, if you want it, you have to do, there's a secret triumph to get it. Yeah. That's the guaranteed one. And then it, once you get that, it's in the loot pool so you can get it again. Yes, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Yeah, there is no second one. But you have to do that first. Correct. Yes. Also, can I say the shader for that is an all-black shader that they won't let us put on anything? Yep, yep. They added an all-black shader to the game. That doesn't have, like, blue or, like, random colors. It's literally all black. It's, it's all black, but it can only be on crafted weapons. Why? Because they don't want to give it to us. Not without limitations. You know, there is a base shader that has no color on it for your guardian. When they load your guardian in for testing, and it's an all black shader. That might be why. So that's probably why. Yeah. Because that would complicate testing and shit. Yeah. But I want an all black shader. (laughs) It's the only thing I want. (laughs) You and the majority of the the community. Yeah. All the edgelords really want the all black shader. Yeah. So. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But yeah, Festival of the Lost. It's the same every year. Yeah. What I wouldn't give to have the Infinite Forest back. Honest. I agree. And and for some reason that was just more fun. I think 
for me, it was because there were, were possibilities of jump scares. The jump scares were so scary. All of a sudden, the big guy's behind you and you're screaming. <laughs> right. Right. I think that was a big portion of it for me because you could go in knowing that there's there's the possibility that, you know, he'll be right behind you and you know going in what the objective is. But you're still startled because all of a sudden there's this big, beefy, unkillable, like, yeah, that's like bearing down on you. And you're like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Run away, run away, run away. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's very funny. I I think that's that's that was it for me was the fact that, Mm -hmm. you know, even if you got good with it, even if you you, you know, knew everything there was still variation because of those. Yeah. And jump scares. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything to look forward to for the rest of the season? I don't know. I don't think there is. Um, I think we still have, and I'm, I might be wrong on this, but I, I think we still have one radio message left. At like the very end of the season. I, I don't know. Probably. Like, if they're going to hold off on it, it's going to be, like, the week before. Oh, um, yeah, true. They usually do things two weeks before the end of the season. Otherwise, like, it it's going to come next week. Ah. How many more weeks do we have in the season? Not very many. Uh, I think we've got less than a month. Wow. Well, I should finish playing the game then. Or something. (laughs) I mean, we should get to the lore about the season while the season is still happening. And, you know, not in a month. So, yeah. Lore Network ad? Yeah, Lore Network ad. (laughs) Okay. The Lore Network. Have you ever wished that someone could just read you the lore? Destiny Lore Audiophile may be just the podcast you've been looking for. Join us as we bring the stories of Destiny to life with straight readings of your favorite lore with no analysis or commentary, or as we breathe life into these tales with acting, sound effects, and music. Currently, you can find Destiny Lore Audiophile on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes, at Destiny Lore Audiophile. Audiophile is spelled with a PH instead of an F. You can find both readings and radio dramatizations of selected lore books and web lores by talented voice actors from the Destiny community. Episode releases will be announced from our Twitter pages at Hey It's Orchid and at Rendell Zivas. So be sure to follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single performance. See you there. So, how was that ad? It wasn't about Festival of the Lost, so. So, A+. It was good. (laughs) Yeah. There's no candy corn in it. Oh, God. Candy corn is wax sugar garbage. Cannot change my mind. Oh, and I I hate the sparrow that, that looks like candy corn. Oh, my God. That sparrow is so ugly. Like, it's such a divisive sparrow because, like, my two friends that love candy corn are like, 
I love this sparrow. The sparrow is great. And all of my friends that hate it are like, this sparrow is trash. Get it away from me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Doom in chat is saying, I love that sparrow. See? <laughs> me saying, I see. Oh, my God. Firebar is like puke face. <laughs> yeah, no, I personally don't like it. But I, yeah, I am not a fan. It shades really well. Oh, I bet. So if you want to have like a really cool, shiny purple sparrow, then that's a great one to have. I mean, other stuff that happened lately is uh, like oh, they talked about weapons tuning and shit. So, yeah, that's other stuff that happened. But you know what? Listen to other podcasts if you want to listen about weapons. Yeah, this, this isn't the place for it. No. Mostly because I don't know anything about it, as people have told me a hundred times. So I'm going to stay in my lane. But moving back on topic. uh, Yeah. Here's a brief intro to the topic. This is the seasonal lore book that extends each weekly story. Uh, Because of that, each entry was obtained after completing the story each week. For the first half of the lore book, Go back and listen to episode 178. God, we're getting really close to 200. I know. <laughs> Still can't believe it's been five years. <laughs> so long. Okay, I'm going to read this first one. Sounds oh, good. So week five, we gained access to the Embaru engine in Savathun's throne world. They, like, didn't do anything in week five. They, like, chatted a little bit. Yeah. Week five was, like, a big nothing. Like They it, talked about just, like, getting more ties, I think. And they talked about, like, Ayat a little bit. But they didn't, like, do the big, like, this is what Ayat means. Like, it was a big nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it wasn't, like, the important stuff about sword logic, and it wasn't the important stuff of, like, oh, my God, Eris is going to become Dark Eris and, like, take over the world. And they hadn't decided, like, what they were going to do with Savathun yet. So this was just, like, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Keep feeding me. It was, like, nothing happened. Go to the Embaru engine, please. (laughs) And then, like, see the cool, like, MC Escher walls that we have for you. This is week five. It's called A Big Fan. Maru floated at the edge of the large crowd, waiting for an opportune moment. He tried to remain inconspicuous. The hive ghost had snuck out of the tower, leaving his bone-ridged shell behind to avoid unwanted attention. He filched an old shaded shell from an office junk drawer. The sunglasses made it perfect for sneaking around undercover. Given the gaudy shells these preening tower ghosts wore, Amaru was sure his new appearance would go unnoticed. He wandered around the last city for a while, watching the citizens putter from one inane task to the next. Since resurrecting Savathun, Amaru had been witness to the creation of a throne world, cosmic-level spellcraft, and interplanetary invasions. Being pent up with the humans, watching them haggle over the price of 
charred carrion skewers was maddening. He was nearly bored enough to return to the tower when a stream of rowdy celebrants piqued his interest. They poured into the streets from houses, bars, bedding parlors, all making their way towards the edge of the city. Amaru floated among them. The crowd eventually arrived at the perimeter of an abandoned military base. Well-to-do patrons filtered past Red Jacks into the base, while most of the crowd gathered around enormous screens set up outside. The screens displayed the opening salvos of a crucible match, and Amaru could detect changes in air pressure as the Guardians bombarded each other within the facility. After the match's brutal conclusion, the crowd dispersed. A few diehard fans waited around the gate to congratulate the participants. Eventually, the Crucible's boisterous announcer emerged to receive his fans' well wishes. Once the crowd had thinned, Amaru floated up to the one-horned guardian. Oh, what you doing here, big guy? Amaru effused. I got friends who would be very into your whole kill-or-be-killed vibe. Amaru could sense Lord Shaxx blinking beneath his helmet, trying to place the ghost's voice. <laughs> well met. Perhaps your friends will join us on the field. Oh, you met some of them already, Amaru chuckled. You got a lot in common, actually. Amaru raised his voice in imitation of the Titan's booming commentary. Only the strong survive. Make pain your alley. <laughs> Dying is an essential element. That's right in their wheelhouse. You might even call it a philosophy. Well, the crucible is more than just senseless violence, Shax patiently explained. It's about honor and fair play. It's about bringing the best out in one another and rising above our limitations. I totally understand, Amaru said, chuckling inwardly at the Titan's canned rhetoric. The goal is to be the sharpest we can be, and anyone who can't handle the edge gets cut. There's a certain logic to it. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself, Shaq said as his gleaming sparrow materialized beside him. But remember, the Crucible is about more than just combat, more than just guardians. It's about putting our differences aside and uniting everyone in the city including the ghosts. He seemed to wink. I'm a big fan, Amaru gushed. Thank you for uniting so many different types of people, more than I could have imagined. Many thanks for your support, Shax hollered as he revved the engines on his sparrow. I hope to see you and your friends again soon. Until next time, the massive guardian gave his admirer a brief salute and sped off into the city. Amaru watched the Titan recede into the distance. Whatever tickles your trigger finger, buddy, he muttered. The hive ghost floated off towards the tower, renewed in his purpose. At least now he knew what the Witch Queen saw in the humans. Maybe they would come around after all. That's an interesting interaction. I'm a... So confused why he would want to go talk to Shax, of all people. Right? 
But I do love this because it actually describes how crucible matches work. And we've been wondering for the longest time. Yeah. We're like, okay, they bet on them, but we do them all the time, like so often. Because I'm just like out there grinding crucible matches for six hours. But in this universe, they're like an event that people go to. It's like seeing a baseball game. I see it more like horse races. So you like being ridden? I mean, usually I am in Crucible. Um, <laughs> but but no, like th- there might be like three or four matches in a day. They're all bet right. on. And and that's it. Like, you know, it, right. I, I don't see it being baseball games where like it's weeks between them and there's only a set amount per season that makes sense no 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 you're right that makes sense or like dog fighting except the dogs are people that's uh, that's arguable well there there are titans there i I was about to say hunters but i mean um i mean (laughs) potato 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 tomato a potato tomato so um but no so so imaru dons a new shell he goes to the tower and he's he's interested in seeing pretty much just how people are and he comes across a bunch of people watching a crucible match comes across shacks and their interaction is just really weird I think he's just trying to pass himself off as like a normal ghost and can't. And this is totally Rindle's fault. But now that I hear him, Maru, anytime I just hear him as like the Coney Island bing bong guy. And like, that's all I hear in my mind whenever I hear him, Maru. And it's like totally not even his voice. Fuck your life! But that's what I hear in my head. Bing bong. Every single time. And so I'm just like, fuck. So Maru is hilarious to me. Only the strong survive. Make pain your ally. Dying is an essential element. Bing bong. He's like, bing bong. Like, it's just, what? (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) I hate that. (laughs) God damn it, Randall. (laughs) Ruined everything for me and it's so funny. (laughs) But... This it's like he's in this ridiculous shell. Can you imagine the sunglasses shell from um, Solstice? Oh God! With this with this accent, like the Bing Bong guy in the Solstice shell, going up to Shax and being like, essentially talking about sword logic without talking about sword logic. Right. He's trying to like Jedi mind trick. Shacks into thinking like I'm not speaking about sword logic. These are not the droids you are looking for. This is not the sword logic you're looking for. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because he's like, I got friends who would be very into your whole kill or be killed vibe. And I'm like, yeah, you do. A whole hive of them. Like, what? 
oh, you met some of them already. You've got a lot in common, actually. And like sitting there thinking about it, we kind of do. And I really hate that. Yeah. Like the more you sit there and like really think about the hive in comparison to guardians or at least light bearers, I wouldn't say like guardians. Well, because like, but like light bearers. Well, because like sword logic is extreme Darwinism. You know, you get stronger by killing, only the strong survive. If you die, you weren't meant to survive. But then it's like you get their power. And Savathun is still alive. Like. Yeah. I guess if you kill another hive, you just absorb their power and then you like evolve like it's Pokemon. Like if you want to become a knight, do you have to kill like X number of like, is there a tally sheet? And you're like, oh shit, I have to kill like 18 acolytes to become a, a knight. Like. Is that what you have to do? I don't know. You had to kill 27 knights if you wanted to become an ogre. Like. Because like I I had always thought that it depended on the specific sibling and how they structured it. See, that doesn't make sense. That's like Protestantism and like Catholicism. That's just making up their own rules. Like the base rule is sword logic, but then they've got their like. But then it's it's all based on the structure. Yeah, but then it's like Digimon versus Pokemon now. It's just one of them is like just hot Pokemon. We've been through this. Digimon is just Pokemon with tits. I mean, you're not wrong, but... I know I'm not wrong. I'm absolutely correct. But no, like... Because, like, we never truly got an understanding of Savathun's structure Mm -hmm. or Zivu's. It's, like, so wishy-washy, and him comparing... Guardians to sword logic, especially to Shax, and like Shax unwittingly being like, Yeah, totally bring him down here. Like, we'll fuck shit up together. Like, what? Yeah. I'm like really hung up on this, and I don't know if it's just like me laser focusing in on this with you. A little bit, but it's not unwarranted. I mean, the the three things that he says to Shax, only the strong survive make pain your ally dying is an essential element if he says that like in Shax's voice and it's like their philosophy that is totally sword logic it is it absolutely is and it it's also shit that Shax has said like at the beginning of crucible matches or at the end of crucible mm-hmm. matches I do like how Shax does explain the difference between what Amaru is saying and what the Crucible is and like kind of like the Guardian philosophy. And I think that really is kind of the nitpicky difference. I think maybe I just like dislike the idea that Amaru just so like flagrantly is like, oh, no, it's definitely the same. And I'm like, it kind of is. But it's not because he's like, it's about honor and fair play and being the best, like bringing the best out in everybody. And it kind of is. It is. I mean, those are kind of like Bungie's ideals. This is like Bungie turning to the camera and being like, it's about honor and fair play, guys. 
like it's like their turn to camera and being like, come on, stop being dickweeds to us. Like, this is what this game is about. I'm going to press your face into this lore so you like hear it a little more. Right. Mm hmm. No, and, and I, I totally see that. Like, I, I see that it's it boils down to. Like the, this, the, looking at it that way, this entry kind of feels like a preachy meta message. Yeah, kind of. It does feel kind of meta. Because, I mean, at, at that point, you know, Shax is a stand-in for Bungie, and they're saying, no, like, this is how it, it should be. I think that's really positive, though. It is. It's a good ideal to hold on to. And I wish we had more positive, like, uplifting messages like that. Like, there's so few of those right now, like, in the game and in life everything's kind of falling apart around us right now. I'm not going to talk about it, but it really sucks out there right now. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's nice to just have like Shax, who is kind of an icon, you know, he's that like really encouraging dad. Absolutely. And he's just like, no, this is what it's about. Like, don't forget that. Like, Amaru doesn't get it, but Shax is, like, really patient with him and does explain it. Kind of like he would explain to a small child, which is funny, because we're small children, I think. I mean, yeah, especially with how guardians act. I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. Well, do you have anything else about this? No, like, I, I think that's, that's enough. Okay, let's go to week six. Tell me about week six, Elemis. So, for week six, Eris and Imaru argue a little bit. Um, and in a radio message, Eris and Ikora talk. Ikora says, you know, she's concerned about Eris because of the path that she's going. And Eris is, is reassuring her that, you know, this is what needs to happen. I can do this. But she says it in her typical heiress way. Oh, yeah. Of course she does. And uh, so this entry is titled Contingency Plans. In the end, they'll accept your offer. The witness won't leave them any choice. Savathun's voice echoed throughout the empty ritual chamber. Imaru floated in the middle of the vast space, listening intently to his boss's pre-recorded instructions. With the Warmind gone, and the Traveler incapacitated, they'll only have one option left. Savathun's recorded voice cooed. They'll have to do things our way, and you'll be there to make sure they do. Imaru grumbled. The boss was betting a lot on the vanguard. More than she bet on her own brood. Pride stung the edges of the first ghost's ego. He'd been an exemplary leader in Savathun's absence. If anything, he should be the one overseeing the war effort against Zivu Wrath. Then again, he placated himself. Maybe it wasn't a matter of competency. 
Maybe the Witch Queen just saw the Vanguard as more expendable than her own brood. Hell, he chuckled to himself. Maybe this was all just a long con to lead the Vanguard into Zivu's waiting jaws. Only the boss knew for sure. Imaru initiated playback on another recording, preparing to enact whichever of the hundreds of Savathun's contingencies came to pass. If Ikora Ray is the one to accept my bargain, your job will be much easier. The recording began. That one has a deep well of bloodthirst. She ruled the Crucible for many years, as you recall. Her eagerness to be reacquainted with death will lead her back to her convoluted ideas of thanatonics. If anything, she'll get too powerful too quickly. The absent Sabathun mused. If that happens, just arrange for her to accidentally kill one of her own. Glint, perhaps. That should slow her down for a while. Don't worry about putting her off for good, though. Once she feels the power of the sword, she'll never stop. Maru was filled with admiration and suspicion. He wondered if there was a trove of Savathun's contingencies somewhere that involved his sacrifice. Surely not. He was too important for that. He initiated playback on another recording. If the Awoken Queen somehow discovers the pattern before I'm resurrected, the Witch Queen began. The Guardians may attempt to take the heirloom by force. It won't be Mara's idea, of course. But my dear Osiris, in his cleverness, might talk them into a poor decision. In that case, it won't be worth fighting them off. That would only play to Zivu's advantage. Instead, deliver the heirloom to the Cabal Empress. Savathun continued. She has more reason than any to use it against my sister. And a protracted war of attrition will be inevitable. While those two rip each other apart, you can approach the Vanguard with a slightly modified deal. Imaru cut off the recording. He hoped it wouldn't come to that. The Vanguard had already guaranteed his safety, but the Cabal had made no such assurances. Showing up on their doorstep with the heirloom was the last thing he wanted. He initiated another recording. If all goes to my original plan, Eris will reach a crossroads. A hint of concern snuck into Sabathun's voice. At some point, she'll glimpse a path to overcome my sister without resurrecting me at all. But there's only one way to gather so many tides in so short a time. She would have to put the vanguard to the sword. Followed swiftly 
by the Elixni and Cabal. The hive she would spare, I think, for her convenience. If that happens, Savathun concluded, there are no more contingencies, no more fallbacks. The hive would have a new queen, and you a new leader. Wouldn't that be interesting? Ooh. Yeah. So this was before the last week. Correct. Of this story. Correct. So this like really sets up the last week of the story because it's like there are no more contingencies, no more like no more fallbacks. It's like really raising the stakes. Well, and, and like that's at this point, it sounds like she has hundreds of contingency plans. Like she thought of all the different ways that things could go. And she was betting on the path that actually happened. I think we don't give Savathun enough credit sometimes. Like, we call her, like, cunning and, like, a liar. Like, she's, like, the queen of lies and whatever. And she's, like, a trickster. But she is, like, very smart and very methodical. Yes. And this illustrates it very well. Like, this entire entry, like, illustrates, like, her thought process. And and this illustrates it in a way that I don't hate the character. Right. Because she's just going through it. This is done in such a way that, like, none of it is a lie. And that was a problem that I had with the character previously, was the fact that, like, you couldn't trust anything she said because, you know, if you believed it, she was tricking you, that gave her power. Now that that's not quite the situation anymore, and and especially since she's talking specifically to um, Imaru, like she's got these recordings for Imaru. Yeah. It's a whole different Savathun. It's, yeah. It, it reminds me of someone who is like leaving their job or something. To like their underling and leaves them like 900 emails before they leave or like a whole binder of directions of like, if this happens, this is what you do. If this happens, this is what you do. Like, if this person does this, I think they're going to do this, but they might do this. This is what you're going to do. <laughs> if, if spreadsheet one breaks in this way, this is how you fix it. If, if it breaks in this way, that's how you fix it. If spreadsheet two breaks in that way, like, yeah, it's. Yeah. She's the one that's like making all the documentation because it never existed before. Like Savathun is the documentarian God, right? of that office and her, the office is just her and Amaru. But <laughs> Amaru is like, he's planned it. He's got everything now. I I kind of feel like this is that that scene from uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse where like. Peter Spider-Man is sitting there, you know, finger on his, his chin thinking. Miles imitates it and then just looks at Peter like, okay, so what's he doing now? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, I do have a question. Yes. The Guardians may attempt to take the heirloom by force. 
Which heirloom are they talking about? We don't have a clue. And and that's like and is it something we've seen before? I maybe. I wish I could say yes, but at this point we have no clue. I it it could be that it's something that we've seen before or something that we heard of before, or it could be another MacGuffin specifically to get us through the portal. Right. You know, we might go through the portal and be stuck there. Right. So Like it does look like kind of romantic on the other side because we have Cade there and we have like a little fire going and like everyone's there and chatting, but like. And the old tower. Yeah. But is that a good thing that we're all there and like not on the other side? I don't know. I don't know. Is all my old shit in that tower? I don't know. Who knows? I'm looking real quick to see if there's any mention of an heirloom. Oh, on Ishtar? Yeah. And Good idea. I didn't even think to like search Ishtar for heirloom. Man, there's idiot. There's three entries, one of which I oh. just read. Okay. Uh, the second entry is Dawning Delights. So Ava Levante. I don't think mm-hmm. that's that's it. No. Um, and then the other one is Maracena. Oh, that could be it. It does m- mention Mara in like the same breath. Unfortunately, I don't think it is. Uh, Damn it. The specific mention of heirloom is the old queen sets her cup down hard enough to chip. Mara jumps in quiet shock. The tea service is an heirloom from Shipspire. So I maybe we have to throw tea at it and then it'll open because it looks like a giant <laughs> jammy dodger. So we're just completing the circuit. We we just need a tea bag it. That's all. We just have to tea bag it. Jesus. <laughs> Fuck Elmist. <laughs> I mean, that's one way to do it. I don't think it's going to work, but I I don't either. Sure. But I mean, uh, the other thing is that they do actually reference some of the seasonal artifacts as heirlooms. Oh, that's true. So like the synaptic spear, the nightmare harvester, the ascendant scepter. Those are specifically referenced as heirlooms. So it could be the one that we had from Mara. Yeah, which was the Ascendant Scepter. Yeah. I mean, that's possible. It's it's possible. Um, or it could just be attempt to take the heirloom by force. So it just could be the future, like, whatever it is. The future, whatever you said, seasonal artifact. Yeah, whatever the one is for next season. And then yeah. we, we charge it up. Mm-hmm. It'll be just a giant butter knife. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. Now, the one thing I found interesting in here, Savathun actually knew that Ikora was a Thanatonaut. Interesting. Or maybe not a Thanatonaut herself, but like she was part of their group. Maybe it says her convoluted ideas on thanatonautics. I'm wondering if she just like had her own ideas and like wasn't aligned with them, but like had her own deal. Could be like she did her own paper on it or something. 
Yeah. I mean, do we really know what she did? It's interesting that she knows, though. And I, I think part of that is because of her possession of Osiris. That's true. Yeah, because Osiris would know that. So, like, it, it to me, the line was kind of a throwaway, but there's deeper meaning to it than mm-hmm. just service level. I'm looking um, on Destinypedia to see if they mention anything. One eternity later. No. It was never mentioned. Okay. So this could just be like the first time. Because you would think that something like that would be mentioned on here. Because that's kind of a big deal. Or it could be, like we said earlier, like she had her own thoughts on it, but was not part of the group. Right. But the last thing I want to talk, I, I want to point out um, before we, we jump to the next one. The paragraph where she talks about if all goes to, to my original plan, Eris will reach a crossroads. She's talking about how Eris is going to, to use, you know, take out the Vanguard, the Elixir, and the Cabal, become the dark future version of herself. In order to take out Zivu. Oh, right. That's a, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're so close. So every single time something like that comes up where it's just like a hair's breadth away from like the dark future, it just like sends shivers down my spine. I'm just like, right. Ah. Right. Yeah. Like, it's, it's this huge prophetic like apocalypse that happened or that that is supposed to happen. And like, to me, it's it's like every step that aligns with it, it it's exciting from a storytelling perspective, but it's concerning from an in-universe perspective. Oh, it so is. But the reason why it doesn't, they say, in the universe is because we exist. Yes. And so, like, by the power of friendship, it doesn't happen. Like, literally, that's why. Yeah. I, I don't know any better way to describe why. <laughs> like, that's all I can think of. Well, and, and the, the funny thing to me is that this is actually the one time that Eris outsmarted Sabathun. Like, Sabathun yeah. had a contingency in place for everything. For everything. But, like, her original plan was for Eris to go dark, turn against everyone in order to take out Zivu. And as we'll see with, with week seven, like that did not go according to plan. Yeah. I really like this entry a lot. I think it like says a lot about the story without saying a lot about the story, if that right. makes any sense. Like it tells us a lot about Ikora. And it tells us a lot about Sabathun and how she methodically plans everything out. It says a little bit about Amaru, but not really. Well, and, and to me, like, it, it points out the fact that Sabathun relied on Eris for her plan. Yes. Like, she put a lot of stock in Eris. Because I think she knew Eris would get there. Because, like, Going with her original plan, Eris would gain all this power, um, and you know it. You know, followed swiftly by the Elixni and Cabal, the Hive she would spare for her convenience. Um, 
If that happens, there are no more contingencies, no more fallbacks. The hive would have a new queen and you a new leader. So like in this original plan, Sabathun isn't even revived. Like she's not even in the picture at this point. She's relying on Eris. And that's interesting to me. I really like it. I think it's good. I do too. Mm-hmm. And like, like we've talked about how the story was kind of like meh this season, but I think the addition of these entries, it's like really enriched it. I agree. Because like literally nothing happened in the story in the game. If we just took it at face value, you're like. Well, and, and the majority of these entries aren't just supplemental for whatever happened that week. Like these. Which finally. Right. Right. Finally. And, <laughs> Thank God. And like, I know one of these entries is. Yeah. And and we are getting to that entry. But like the majority of them have been individual standalone entries that like you don't need to remember what happened during that week because nothing happened. Right. Right. It's it's nice. It's a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it really is. It's it's good. So, ranting aside, you ready to move on to the next one? Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. All right. So this is week seven. This is like the week. This is the week where everything happens. This is the week where Eris Morn eats her cookie. This is where one where she cacks Savathun in the throat with a sword. This is the one where you have to do that really annoying like final mission that will give you seizures if you have epilepsy. This is because <laughs> I really liked doing that by myself. Thanks, Bungie. That room is so fucking dark. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fuck that room. Everything. <laughs> throw something. Everything in Destiny has been really dark. Oh, my God. I feel like it's getting darker and darker every single season. Yep. yep it feels it. Oh, my God. Just, like, turn on some lights. Get better lighting, Hive. Like, lighting's not that expensive. Just turn some more candles on. Jesus. Hell, can we upgrade our ghost's light? Like, come on. Oh, my God. Get a my ghost light on that. Get a new LED, for Christ's sake. But then I'd have to call them, like, better flashlights instead of just flashlights. So, anyway. Anyway. That's not even my ghost name. My ghost name is Siri. Yeah. Anyway. So... Um, <laughs> we powered Eris up for six weeks, six whole weeks. That's a lot of murders, guys. We've done so much killing in six weeks. We farmed everything because the game told us we had to. Um, so she calls on Amaru. Amaru resurrects Savathun because, uh, Ikora is like, we're bringing her here, but, you know, be careful, Mary. So they revive her and she's like, Savathun is like, oh, like looking like a hive. You look super hot. And then Eris is like, shut up, bitch. And then she like slashes her throat, essentially. And this is my lore, not not this story lore. And then Savathun dies and then she becomes the most powerful hive ever. Eris does. And 
then she like makes the cookie and then she come and then she banishes Ziva Wrath from her throne world. And then we're at the end because they couldn't put the they couldn't put this next part in the game. Italian hands. Beautifully said. Thank you. I think that's a very good rendition. It was. Ah! Uh, okay. This is called a deals. A deal. The air still sizzled with dissipating soul fire as the Guardian and Ikora knelt beside Eris. An eruption of light illuminated the thick smoke behind them, and Savathun rose again, laughing. <laughs> I suppose I had that coming, the towering god said as she rubbed her renewed throat. She slowly tilted her head. Something's different, she said carefully. I don't feel her. Amaru darted up to Sabathun's eye level. After she took your power, Eris called up to Zivu's throne world and did something that cut her off from it. He floated to Sabathun's shoulder and glared down at Eris. Banished from her own throne world, Sabathun cackled gleefully as she approached. Eris, you overachiever. How I love you. I wound you up, and you ran right over her. Sabathun crouched, peering at Eris's collapsed form with intense curiosity. I'm surprised expending that much power didn't kill you outright, she said, though it explains why you're back in that awful little meat body of yours. Eris propped herself up on one elbow. Ikora moved to help her rise, but Eris waved her off. Our bargain is complete, she said. Your sister has been dealt with, and you live again. Now, Eris demanded, her uncovered eyes glowing fiercely. Tell us how to follow the witness. Tell you, Sabathun frowned, her voice edged with disappointment. I already showed you. Ikora leapt to her feet, roaring void energy distorting the air around her. She took a measured step towards Savathun. No tricks, no riddles, no lies twisted around the truth, she said, her voice firm. Tell us now, or I don't have any reason to let you leave here alive. Savathun slowly drew herself to her full height and grinned down at Ikora, spreading her wings wide. Eris may have managed an interesting sword logic stunt, but I have lost none of my power. She began to hover, her talons dragged across the ground as she floated towards the warlock. You're in no position to stop me. The guardian rose from Eris's side. I am, they said. Savathun paused for a long moment, her ossified face unreadable. Finally, she sighed. Just when you were starting to impress me, she said as she closed her wings and stooped to Ikora's height. Amaru bobbed awkwardly to keep level with her. We both need to stop the witness, and to that end, I have given you what I promised, she said slowly. You will find you have it when you are ready. Like Eris said, our bargain is complete. 
There's no need for drama. Ikora gritted her teeth. Sabathun shrugged. Pout all you like, Ikora, she said. It's not a trick. And if you won't take my word for it, then... Sabathun looked around the ritual space of her throne world. Her eyes settled on Amaru, and she smiled. Take him. What? sputtered Amaru. Sabathun ignored him. Take Amaru, my loyal ghost, my connection to the light, she continued, dropping to one knee in supplication. I leave him with the vanguard willingly, so if you would rather give me my final death than stop the witness. Sabathun closed her claws in a fist. Crunch, she purred. Capiche? Amaru flew between Sabathun and Ikor. Don't I get a say in this? He shouted. <laughs> no, Sabathun laughed. You have your orders. And the rest of you. She gestured at Ikora, the Guardian, and Eris, who had drawn herself unsteadily to her feet. Don't mess this up. The Witness wants to sweep our pieces from the board. And we're having such a lovely game. Sabathun turned, wings trailing like a gown, and Ikora took a half-step forward. The Guardian was at her side in an instant. Eris placed a hand on Ikora's shoulder. Don't. Take care of yourself, Eris, Sabathun said. It was such fun seeing your mask slip. The delighted laughter of the Queen of Lies echoed through the ritual chamber as she vanished down the long hallway. Okay, I actually like this interaction. Sabathun is great. I don't do a good Sabathun, but she's really fun to read because she's just like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm in. She's in such control of everything. And she just like owns the room. Absolutely. She just like literally fills the whole space with not just like her personality, but her control and her presence. And and like and it's like not just her size. It's just like she literally just controls the space. Yeah. And she's just like such a presence there. And you can tell like this entire interaction. She's just like. I don't care about you. This is the way it's going to be. <laughs> it's just like, okay, well, what are we going to do? You have all the cards. We have none. So. And and like the evidence of that is like when she's getting her talons ready, you know, ready to go at Ikora. And she's like, you're in no position to stop me. Like she knows her own strength and Ikora's because she got that information from Osiris. So quite literally, she knows how this matchup is going to go. And I keep forgetting she has like so much information from Osiris. Right. It, she's got the cheat sheet. Like Right. It's it's both a a blessing and a curse for storytelling because like it's the MacGuffin. It is. Like it, it's the year of the MacGuffins. Sabathun has always been the MacGuffin in the story. She has. She's literally always been the MacGuffin, and that really sucks. But it's worked out when it needed to work out, and a lot of times it didn't. A lot of times it's like it was Sabathun, and you're like, "Fuck again! Why? 
Or there were other times I, where everybody's like, it's Savathun, and it really it's not. Yeah. It really it's not, yeah. Yeah. But the times when it did, when it was actually Savathun, and it was actually clever in the way that they revealed it slowly over time, you're like, yeah, okay, I, I get it. Like, lore-wise, this makes sense, even if I hate it, and, you know, like, right. point to Bungie. Right. And, and no, like, when she is used in a good way, I, I definitely will give points to Bungie. Like, she is used well this season. This entry especially, she's used really well, I think. Absolutely. This, like, her use of, like, capiche in this, she's such a boss lady. Like... She's a fucking mob boss. Like she and Amaru are like running the streets here, and I'm like, what is happening? This is like a this is an episode of The Sopranos. Like, right? She's literally Italian handsing. I'm gonna squish my own ghost if he like acts out of line. <laughs> what? She's so threatening. I love it. I hate her, but I love her. Right. Yeah. It is definitely like a love-hate, hate-love relationship. Mostly hate, but there's some love there. Damn it. Love to hate, but there are yeah. moments of admiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love when she's actually like talking to, to Eris about like what Eris did. Mm-hmm. You know, banished from her own throne world. Eris, you overachiever. How I love you. I wound you up mm-hmm. and you ran right over her. It, like, yeah, that right there. It's like it, it's it boils back down to what you said earlier. The fact that like she's in control. There are certain things that don't go according to plan, like Eris doing, you know, what she did, you know, severing that that connection to the throne world. But that went further beyond Savathun's plans than than what she she thought than what she thought possible. Well, looking at it, um, having her be that overachiever, like I don't think she really knew exactly what Eris was going to do. Reading that sentence, I think she just pointed Eris like the missile that Eris is, and just like hoped she would do something like that. Well, and, and she knew Eris was an overachiever, but I don't think she knew Eris was going to quite do that. Right. And and that's I think she, that's what I was meaning. She was hoping that Eris was just going to like kill her sister. Right. But like this was a different tactic that I don't think she saw Eris taking. Because like the, the actual deal was for us, you know, the Vanguard, the the Guardian and Eris to take care of Zivu. Which we kind of did in a way, but we haven't really entirely fulfilled that yet. We took her immortality away. Yeah, but that's not fulfilling. Did we take care of her? And and I think... No. And I, She's still alive. And I think that's part of why Savathun didn't completely spell out, you know, what, why or how we can get through the portal. The fact that I already showed you makes me want to go back and be like, did you? When? 
I have a feeling it's going to relate back to Deep Sight. Oh, I bet you you're right. I have a feeling it's going to relate back to Deep Sight or or something at the altars of reflection. Like there might have been a line in that, you know, two truths and a lie. Oh, I forgot about two truths and a lie. I bet you it is there. There might be something in there. Oh, fuck. I didn't even think about that. There might be something in there. It might have been. Yeah. So like there are plenty of places to start looking. I, I know I haven't looked or started looking personally. Um, I, I just thought of that on the spot right now. <laughs> we don't behind the scenes. We don't make show notes. We just write down like what we're reading and that's <laughs> it. Like everything, all the bullshit we say is just like off the top of our heads. If we're remembering things from other lore books, it's because we just literally remember it. It's not because we have it written down. <laughs> It's because ADHD connections happen in our mind. Yeah, it's because we just remember it. We're both really good at remembering Destiny lore. (laughs) It's not because we have it written down. Whenever we used to have guests on the show, they were like, where are your show notes? We're like, these are them. These are they. (laughs) It's just they're like, it's just the copied lore. We're like, yeah, we know. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) we were on a podcast uh it was like a gaming podcast and video game crosstalk yes video game crosstalk they had the most elaborate show notes it was like 15 pages it was like all laid out the most nice i've ever seen it was like every single line they said was planned and then, like, we and had, like, sections to speak. And then he looked at our show notes, like, the way we did them, and we gave him nothing. And, <laughs> and he's like, what are these? And and the funny thing is, like, <laughs> looking back at it, I feel bad because I kept diverting away from the actual, like, talking points. I know. You kept just, like, changing the subject. <laughs> like, it was entertaining. I don't I don't even remember. Was it about the Vex? I I think so. I think it was like Beyond Light. Oh, shit. I don't even remember what it was about. It's been too long. They were like the nicest people. They were. I just remember they were super nice and their show notes were amazing. And I wish I had that kind of patience to make like amazing show notes. And I'm sure like... The podcast would be way more palatable to like so many more people and they wouldn't leave dog shit reviews like Orchid is the worst and she fucking sucks and uh, so yeah okay I'm back to the podcast yeah <laughs> um. um now I want to go to the um altars of reflection and right. see if there's anything there right <laughs> but i've it's been two years since we've done any of those and i honestly just don't want to do the activities again I'm, I'm planning on just looking up the two truths and a lie oh that's true we could just watch youtube what am i doing why would i do it in the game or or people might have already transcribed it all like I'm I'm sure Maddie has like I think Maddie made a whole video on all of them. So, yeah, like 
I'm I'm gonna be watching his video. Yeah. And I'm and I'm sure Bife did one as well. And oh, I'm yeah. sure everyone's done one or two or six. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm 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 gonna be looking to see what if there's any hints. There is something interesting here. Um I like how Eris is in no position to stop her, but the Guardian is. Oh my god, that was so baller. Like, the Guardian is? Ikora didn't say anything. It's just like, we are. Well, and like, Ikora's, you know, sitting there being threatening with like void in her hand. And Savathun's like, you're, you're inconsequential. Like, you're in no position to stop me. And then we come up and we're like, I am. I've done it before. We come up like swinging our balls around like we have Gallahorn and we will put it up your asshole. Like, let me tell you something, Pandeo. You pull any of your crazy shit with us, you flash a piece out on the lanes. I'll take it away from you and stick it up your ass and pull the fucking trigger till it goes click. Jesus. We have killed you once. We will kill you again. We'll kill you a thousand times. Like, no big deal. Like, that line right there, you know, the Guardian rose from Eris' side. I am, they said. We're really good at saying I am. We've done that before. That that (laughs) right there, to me, feels like, oh, hey, watch out. I'm going to whip my dick out. Like, (laughs) he's pulling his cock out. It's just like, oh, this person spoke. They mean business. (laughs) Because because we killed her before, like if time, if if the perception of time for a guardian who is dead and and gets revived, like if that perception of time is moments later, the last thing Savathun remembers is minutes ago, the guardian just killed her. That's true. So like... I mean, we changed clothes and she's in a different location, but yeah, we yes. will kill you again. Yes. Like you will be dead again. But like it's it's again, like it's it depends on how the perception of the risen guardian or of the risen light bearer is. Cause like Yeah. Like I said, it, it could have been just moments for Sabathun. It's true. I didn't think about that. And that's why she's like giving this long pause and backs down because she's like you proved it just moments ago years for you but moments for me it's really interesting like i figured it was just like in game where you're just like watching your ghost you're just like huh (laughs) cool but that means like that poor hive well it's not a poor hive like asshole hive is just like watching finch like give us stuff like all day every day while he doesn't res his like light bearer right while he just like sits on him and and that's why i i talked about the perception because like there were also mentions from from the lucent hive lore book i i don't lucent tales yeah where finch could hear his chosen on the other side yelling of at him right like shouting obscenities at him right yeah so, like, I don't know if it's, like, they can just peer into the afterlife or what it is. Well, they do have to, like, find them in a different time stream and, like, yank them through, I thought. 
that was a theory. And yeah, but we still yeah. don't know if it's true or not. Right. I don't know. I think it's interesting. I like this entry. I wish it was in the game. I do too. Like, I think it really adds to the cutscene that they gave us. Right. It does. It would have been like five extra minutes. And maybe that's why they didn't, because it's just like too much to rig and too much to animate. And the voice acting would be too expensive. Like, I, I get why they didn't. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's, it's seasonal content. It's going to be expensive to do all of this. But at this point, right. they're, they're, for one thing, they're rolling in that Sony money. And for another, like, Eververse. We fund a shit ton of stuff. Yeah. So, like, I can see arguments on both sides. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this was a fun entry. Yeah, it was really good. I think it was really great. Anyway, do you want to read the last one? Absolutely. The one that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Like, there was no story outside of a radio message from Savathun to Zivu asking what Zivu will be after our conflict with the Witness is concluded. And, like, that that was the only story we got in that season, or that, that week. I was confused week eight because I figured, like, oh, it's all done. We don't have anything else. And then we had the radio message. Yep. And I was like, okay. Right. Cool. And and we still have one radio message somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get it, like you said, like the little second to last week. It's, it's either going to be like the last week or next week. It, it depends on how they they want to set it up. Well, I look forward to you reading this. Absolutely. And this is proportionality. Savathun flew heavily through the shifting skies of her throne world. She struggled to build speed. Her wings seemed frustratingly stiff following her resurrection. She felt slow and uncoordinated, as if her body was not yet entirely her own. She frowned and drifted to the side, favoring her right, and did not see the spinning disk of void energy until it caught her low in the thorax and sent her tumbling to the ground. There was a terrible noise, a flash of purple metal, and then it was over. Imaru materialized in a burst of light. He looked down at Savathun and then up to Saint-14, who stood over her body. Already? Imaru muttered in disbelief. Saint's face was hidden beneath his helmet. The lavender ribbons on his armor swayed and trailed with each heavy breath. It took him a moment to acknowledge the ghost. I heard you were in Vanguard custody, Saint said. I'm not a prisoner, Imaru sniffed. More like an insurance policy. Anyway, I could sense something happened, and Eris let me come down and check it out. Saint nodded, his focus still on Savathun. Something happened, yes he said, and nudged the pile of broken chitin and crumpled wings with his boot. Imaru hovered, 
close to Savathun. I'm not even going to ask, he said while channeling his light. Savathun rose to her knees. She took a raspy breath, opened her eyes, and found Saint. She smiled. Foros. Saint stopped her. Imaru flew into Saint's face. All right, he shouted. You've made your point. Saint wiped the steaming ichor from his visor with a thumb and gestured to Savathun's remains. Again, he said pointedly. Yeah, I don't think so, Imaru replied and initiated his transmat. Saint suddenly flared with void energy, threw his palms out to his sides, and a violet ward of dawn dome burst from him. Imaru felt it ripple through him like a pressure wave, disrupting his transmission. He bobbed unsteadily. He was unable to see, but he could feel. And now, Saint's armored hand gripped him so tightly that a hairline split ran through his shell. You will bring her back, Saint said. I'm getting a little tired of you people threatening to kill me, Imaru said into the muffled boy. Saint's fist loosened by a fraction. You will bring her back, and I give my word that you and she will both leave when I am finished. When you're finished? Imaru echoed, and he felt Saint release him. He sensed for Savathun's form hidden in the blackness. He grimaced, focused his light, and Savathun began to rise once more. Savathun, Saint said, and killed her. You are very new to a resurrection as a light bearer. In the beginning, there is a weakness when you first come back. Like waking from a deep sleep, from a coma. That is why I can best you. You are still unsteady. You are hive. And you know suffering. You come from death. It is nothing to you. But I think, maybe, you do not know how it feels to be helpless. I will teach you. After a long, long time, Saint was finished. The dome vanished, exposing the Exo, the Ghost, and the God to the murky throne world sky. Saint slowly keyed in his transport request and removed his helmet. As he transmatted out, he looked once more at Savathun. This was not for Osiris, he said, his voice hoarse and ragged. This was for me. When Saint returned home, Osiris met him at the door. You were gone for a while. That must have been quite the patrol, he said. Are you hungry? And Saint-14, the greatest titan who ever lived, fell into his open arms and wept. Oh.
love this entry. I love it and I hate it. Like, I... I I do love that they went back and pointed out that he has a bubble for an infinite amount of time. Oh my god, right. Because we have experienced that bubble back in the season where we picked him up and got to fight next to him. Season of Dawn. Yes. Where we just had his bubble. Yep. (laughs) And got to hide in it forever. I'm like, your bubble lasts forever. What up, guy? (laughs) And, And like... When we first encountered that bubble, mm-hmm. me being who I am as a Titan main, I sat there, put the helmet on, and I went right next to him and popped my bubble. <laughs> I remember. I remember. <laughs> I did that mission with Sam and Mandy. And um, when we went in and did it, we I think I had... We were Mandy and I are warlocks and Sam's a hunter, so we had nothing useful. <laughs> so we were all definitely hiding in the bubble. <laughs> Cause we we're like, oh, we're getting pummeled out here. There's a lot of shit like flying from the sky at us. <laughs> it was all terrible. Just just a bit. <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. Just a little bit. But uh but no, like this this entry. Just the the rage that Saint feels, like he's finally able to get all that that anger that he's felt out. This book is interesting because it's bookended by Saint and Osiris, and they both experienced the same thing, but differently. Obviously, like it happened to Osiris, but Saint went through a lot of stuff too. Yep. By having to watch it from the outside and being so helpless, like so helpless. Right. And we watched him for an entire year talking about how helpless he was. And how much that that messed him up. It absolutely killed him. Like, I remember him talking about like how there was nothing he could do. And he was like watching Osiris waste away. And like he couldn't talk to him and like couldn't hear him. And he was just like sitting by his bed. Remember? Yep. And people were like, you can't sit there forever. Yep. And he's like, but what if he wakes up and I'm not there? Like, that's terrifying. Could you imagine? Absolutely. Like, if your loved one is like that, like, what if they wake up and I'm not there? Like, that's awful. Absolutely. Like, I totally understand, like, his perspective and like... He wants to take it out on the person that did this. Like, Savathun, like, stole his, like, forever life with Osiris indirectly. Yep. Like, Zivu Wrath took it, but, you know. And and then... I mean, she paraded around for a year in Osiris's, like, right. meat suit. Right. And he didn't know. And... <laughs> Like, how traumatizing is that? Well, and and especially since, like, trying to look at it from Saint's perspective, you know, your greatest enemy essentially wore the face of the person you love the most. Yeah. And we we don't know how close they were in that year or anything. We don't know if, if they got intimate or anything. Like, 
there's all kinds of different things that Saint looking back on it could be traumatizing. And all of that, that trauma and anger and everything just bubbled up in this entry. Yeah. I think he finally felt like he could like close that chapter. Yeah. On his life or at least like get to the point to close that chapter. But feeling like he had to use like so much violence to do it is like the Saint 14 of old. So it's like you take two steps forward and like 90 steps backwards. Yeah. Is what this one feels like because he made so many, so much ground with like the elixir and like I'm not that person anymore. And then he's like the exact person in this. I think it boils down more to the fact that he has grown, but the old version of himself is still in there somewhere and it can come out if needed. Yeah. Like, he can still be ruthless. He can still, like, it's it's all still there. It's still a part of him. He He's moved past it so that it's not a defining feature of him anymore, but he can still harness it when, when it's appropriate or inappropriate at this point. Uh, yeah, it's this is pretty inappropriate, but I guess it's appropriate. I mean... People are like, yeah, gets off with you and like, fuck her. <laughs> I mean, he probably did. I uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. He should get checked to see if he has hives. <laughs> he has hives, Elvis. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I think he left the chat. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Definitely died for all of your sins. Criminy. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I think all of the um, things that Saint said to her, all of the things where he bested her and like killed her over and over, like all of those one liners. Yep. About how he's teaching her, like. He's just like beating the shit out of her. That's all he's doing. And it's just like so brutal. It's so brutal. It is. Like kids don't do this. <laughs> just It's it's brutal. Yeah. And it wasn't for Osiris. It was for him. 100%. Because I think Osiris would be mad if he found out or at least disappointed. I, I don't think because Osiris he allowed Savathun kind of to like use his body. He said so. I don't think it would be disappointment. I think it would more like he would understand, but not. It it's like a step under disappointment. I maybe worry. Yeah, because he did allow Savathun to use his body. It wasn't like completely against his. It was semi-symbiotic. Yeah. It was kind of consensual. Like she didn't like steal it. Right. Like he allowed it to happen. Right. But. Doom also brought up a good point in chat. The fact that Saint essentially lied to Osiris about this. No. Saint was on patrol. 
He was on patrol killing like Savathun over and over again. That's a patrol. That's the Savathun killing patrol. I mean, it's more of a lie by omission. <laughs> I mean, you were keeping the peace in the throne world by killing Savathun over and over again. By killing Lucent Hive. Yeah. You were just killing Savathun over and over again. It's fine. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, for me personally, I love this entry, but a lot of that is boiling down to my love for Saint and my hatred for Savathun. So, like, I am completely biased in that. Oh my god, Doom. Doom in chat said he was farming red borders for the gumshoe seal. I believe it. I, I, I yeah. Yeah. Farming red borders is annoying. Well, at least it was back then. Now it's easy. Yeah. Um, I like this entry, but I also dislike it. I. It's a good bookend to the beginning entry. I can understand that and respect it because of the brutality. Yeah, I think it's it's really brutal, but I think it's a good it's a good mirrored entry to the beginning. It feels like good closure to the beginning because the beginning entry, the first entry was Osiris expressing like, this is what happened to me and I'm okay with it. And yeah, it still bothers me, but I get on with my day every day and that's just how I live and that's all you can do. And Saint's like, well, I'm really fucking mad about it. And he's like, yeah, well, it's it's not you like like, sorry, I know it really upsets you, but this is my deal. Like, I can't help you with your deal. Like, that's how it is. Yeah. Unfortunately, like with things like that. Yeah. Like it's it really is like a personal thing. It It's personal for everybody and it's different for everybody. Like, I really resonate with Osiris in that entry. And this is a really good mirror to that because... Osiris wouldn't have done that for this, but he wouldn't have like Saint, like finally acts on what he felt like in the first century here in the eighth century. Well, and, and it, it shows that the thing that happened to Osiris didn't just happen to Osiris. No, it affected everyone who loved him and cared for. Yeah. Him. And it does. It does that. So, like, yeah, it's got that beautiful symmetry because, I mean, like you, you pointed out, you know, the first entry was Osiris talking about it. And then this one is Saint going through his emotions on the matter. Right. I think um, things like that can it really does affect like the whole family. At least the people that know about it. Yeah. And it affects everybody differently. And like every a bunch of things that are like really emotional, like having cancer affects the entire family completely differently. Like yeah. it affects like the patient differently than the family members, like that affects the parents, that affects the siblings, that affects like the partner of the person that has it like totally differently. It affects the friends like also differently. Yeah. Like everyone's affected differently. 
And like, it's traumatic for them too, because they're like watching this person like go through something like horrifically traumatic. And like the person that's going through it might be like, la di da, this is fine. Like, not really a big deal. But for to everybody else, they're like, oh my God, this is such a big deal. Like I could lose this person. So it's like the same kind of thing because it affects everybody differently. So Saint is like, I'm going to kill her so many times. Oh my God, I fucking hate this bitch. I get it. I like that quote. Uh, it, in chat, we had Rindle post a, a quote. Um, there are three things all wise men fear. The sea in storm, a night with no moon, and the anger of a gentle man. Oh, yeah. And this entry proves that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, did you like this book? I really enjoyed this book. Me too. And a lot of it is because I can actually come back to it and reread it afterward, you know, a month or two months afterward. And I don't have to remember what happened each week because each of these stories is self-contained. Right. The the only one that I have to actually remember is entry seven, but there's enough context in there that I can remember it. What about you? Um, I really liked it. For me, some of the end, at least the first entry was like a little bit traumatic to read because I wasn't expecting it and it brought up a lot of uh, not great things, but I thought overall it was pretty great. It's a good book. Whoever wrote it uh, did a really good job. Good job, Bungie. Thumbs up. I agree. Yeah, I really liked it. And it wasn't purple prose and... It was one of the first like seasonal storybooks that we got that is actually like coherent and cohesive and isn't just like a bunch of bullshit thrown into a book. And it's aside from that one entry, you know, entry seven, it's not just an extension of, you know, a radio message or the the seasonal right. story for that week. Like it's it's yeah, I like that aspect. Which is nice because usually it's just like nonsense that has nothing to do with it. Yep. Which I don't like. So. Because <laughs> because let's be real, like usually it's they take they have an actual script for an extended cutscene and then they cut the actual scene by like two or three minutes and then they throw that last two or three minutes that was cut into the lore entry. Right. Or at least that's how it feels. Anyway, so Orchid, shout outs? I don't have any shout outs. Unless you want a shout out. I'm going to shout out Rindle for funsies. Hi, Rindle. Yeah, I'm going to shout out Rindle. He's going to have fun with this episode. Yep. Hi, Rindle. That's my shout out. Hello. Rindle's in chat right now, so that's my shout out. Actually, I, I, need, I need to say that better. He's going to have fun with this episode. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Um, shout out to everyone who's been watching F1 with us again. F1's back for three weeks in a row. I'm so excited. <laughs> After like the nightmare that was Qatar, like the US Grand Prix was way better. Like my boy Lando almost won. Um, he didn't though. Like Max Verstappen won again because of course he did. It was his 50th win though. Big number. I'm so proud of him. 
he is my boy though um two people got disqualified lewis and charles got disqualified so funny because their plank on the bottom of their car like bottomed out too many times and then it was like too thin at the end dumb fucks like guys your car is too low and like the track is bumpy and like they're like oh we we run our car low like don't do that all the other teams ran their cars high so it wouldn't do that but they're like no we run car low like eh. but you know whatever i'm not a car engineer i just use common sense they don't <laughs> whatever i mean yeah but yeah so they got disqualified sucks so <laughs> lewis was in second like he was on a podium and then he got he lost his trophy <laughs> lame Oof. yeah it was really sad but lots of people were watching it it was pretty great it was fun we made a monstrosity there was a pikachu in the stands and uh destiny the meme is uh mo the person who runs that account is one of the people that watches f1 with us and she decided to draw pikachu as the shape of texas as texachu because it was in texas and it just got worse and worse the longer that we went on it's like offensively texan so (laughs) that was like the highlight of our day so yeah Shout out to F1 people. I just really like F1 and I like talking about it. So you could let me talk about it for another three hours. I'll make a new podcast. So uh, LMS, what's your shout out? I, I, I'm i sticking with my shout out to Rindle. Like he's he's going to have fun with this episode. Uh, Just come watch the Mexican Grand Prix with us this weekend. And then you can thank Rindle there. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, this is the part of the episode we like to give special thanks. The audio for this episode was produced by Rindel Zivas. You can find him on Twitter at Rindel Zivas. The artwork for this episode is courtesy of Volshock B on Twitter. Uh, the music in this episode is copyright Bungie. We're able to use it under their fair use policy because they love their content creators. And if you'd like to dive into Destiny lore on your own, visit ishtar-collective.net. They're the resource we use to make our show notes. Thank you, Baxter. Thank you, Baxter. And final reminders. You can find us on Twitter at Guardians underscore Lore, at Hey It's Orchid, or at I underscore Am underscore Elemist. You can email us at Guardians underscore Lore at Outlook.com. You can leave us a five-star review wherever you find the podcast. Uh, you could also jump into our Discord. That's discord.gg slash lorehub. You can also find us on Instagram and threads at Guardians of Lore. Uh, we're also on Blue Sky as Guardians of Lore.bsky.social. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Also, if you give us okay. We're printing Christmas cards out to send to people. So if you'd like a Christmas card, you can come subscribe to our like smallest tier and we're going to send Christmas cards to everybody. So. Hell yeah. 
that's gonna be our our final our giveaway for the year is that we're having bees is drawing us christmas cards and we're gonna send them out so that's gonna be our thing hell yeah mm-hmm. all right orchid yeah. say good night good night take care otters are furry they are one million hairs per square inch amounts of furry so many fuck that's why they're so buoyant they're almost as furry as me that's why they keep rubbing themselves so much they're buoyant because they put little bubbles between their like fur that's why like the babies float and you can't submerge them huh for sea otters yeah it's because they have so many bubbles trapped in their fur like not kidding that's why Yeah, you've learned something. So what I'm hearing is they have fart fur. Jesus Christ. Thanks, Firebird. Good nights. Good night. Good nights. Fart fur. You guys are the worst. (laughs) Hee hee.